I, I did let her know, because I mean, she had attempted suicide before, so I knew that something could happen. And, you know, I'm pretty realistic and like, I want everything to be rosy, but I understand. Uh, when we were, when I, again, when I was in the Marines, we were on deployment. I remember Lieutenant Shea, um, you know, we saw him that night, we were all hanging out on the boat. We just left Singapore a few days ago. And so we just gotten back from R&R &R, and, um, you know, then they find him in his stateroom, hung himself, you know? And so you see suicide, very common in the military. Uh, it's not something talked about, but 22 veterans a day, you know, kill themselves. And uh, so, you know, I've been very fortunate. I don't have any mental issues that, that I know of. You know, my friends will tell you a little bit different, but <laughs> I like to think I'm a pretty normal guy, but. So welcome to another episode of Behind the Real. I'm joined by Antonio Santano himself. And again, like Aaron, you, um, I've just put a post out actually yeah. to say that um, I owe you and Aaron a lot because... Still waiting for that check. <laughs> two years ago, you know, you took a big risk on letting me talk about um, depression, mental health for the, for the first time in public. And, yeah. you know, since then it's continued to do it and yep. um, I owe a lot to you and we've done videos in the past in, in Ukraine yep. as well which is great but um, let's just talk about how you started because obviously you know how many subscribers has your channel now got? I'm not sure well well over two million but I'm not exactly sure. And I, again I remember you coming on the scene at the beginning and you were again very consistent with your content but let's talk before your first ever YouTube video what was you doing before that? Uh, before YouTube, I was writing and I was putting out information on a blog. Uh, I had my blog, Real Men Real Style, but before that I was with Brett McKay over at the Art of Manliness, writing in his style section. And before that, the reason I was writing in the style section is I owned a custom clothier. Similar to you, I had a physical product. Uh, we were making custom clothing online. The company was called A Tailored Suit. It is now uh, out of business. The website's still there, so people can go check it out. And if you go look at the old website, what you'll see is ton, I mean, about 30 to 40 really well-written, informative articles. And what amazed me is I wrote these, this is back in 2008, 2007, and they did really well. We were getting 100,000 visitors a month, which at the time for a little mm. clothing company, that was a lot of traffic. Yeah. Uh, now, people weren't necessarily buying my products, but what they were doing is they were visiting the website. And I was like, wow, like I'm pretty, you know, I thought I was pretty good with this. Uh, and I thought it was pretty good because I had people reaching out to me and they were asking me to write. And one of those people was Brett McKay at the Art of Manliness. And I agreed. And I thought, you know, this is, I like what he stands for. Started writing for him. And then I saw the power of putting out more and more of this information and then basically drawing traffic. I created Real Men Real Style because I wanted to go deeper on what I was already writing for Brett. Mm -hmm. And um, then I realized that articles were one way and I didn't really enjoy the writing. I The process is long, it's hard, and I'm not a very good typer. So I thought, well, you know, if I write out points, I can talk my way through things, and I enjoy, don't really mind getting in front of a camera. And uh, that's what I did. And I saw Aaron Marino at the time. He, at the time, I think it was like a million total What views. year was it? Do you remember when you started? I think I, in earnest, I think 2012 is when I really went after it, 2011. Uh, but before that, so Aaron was at yeah. it a couple of years. Yeah, and he I was still the only guy. And I saw pretty much. He, I saw his cumulative numbers, and it was at the just past like a million or something. Mm -hmm. I'm like, and then I saw him very quickly, soon past four million. And I'm like, I got to get started. My wife told me, hey, 
this guy, I didn't think it was that great to be mm. honest. Like I was like this guy, you know, he he's a good he, he's a good presence, but he doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to suits. And that was my one focus. Does he know that? Yeah, yeah. We've him. gone back and forth. And like we ended up like talking and it was me creating these videos where I learned to respect him and understand what he goes through and how difficult it is, how much of a grind it is. Mm. It's a lot of work creating all these videos. And um, I think that was when we started to communicate and we're like, hey, let's meet up at VidCon and then... Now we've created two companies together, the conference, which we bring you out for, Menfluential uh, Conference, and we've also created another company, Menfluential Media, which, not to confuse you guys, the first company, the first conference was initially called StyleCon. Mm. We rebranded it to be Menfluential Conference because our Menfluential Media company, which came out of the original StyleCon, um, was just very successful. And we wanted to have a place where we could bring everyone who we work with in our media company and really the conference is a party that we mm. call an event so that you know we can keep it a little bit more business keep it business but at the same time have fun and enjoy it and ride it's, it off. it's great it's, you know the community aspect of the event is yeah is something that's strong for me and i see it and you, i speak to people that have been there for the last couple of years and they're saying that they're seeing growth personally is, is that quite rewarding for you to be, you know, a part of that? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the big reasons that we do it. I mean, when we show up there, we're energized. I mean, I'm an introvert, and so it is hard, I think. I mean, people see the videos. Mm. They meet me in person like, oh, you have no problem projecting and, and talking and engaging with others. And that's something that I've had to train myself to do. Mm. Um, probably the hardest place in college, I did it, but that was under the influence of alcohol, uh, and, and I, I would drink. I think and most I, people yeah. do that, don't they? Yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of guys, we realize it's easier to talk to that beautiful woman up at the bar when you've had a few drinks, and all of a sudden, you're, it breaks down. And that's what I initially had to do. Uh, but when I joined the Marine Corps and I became an officer of Marines, I did not have that opportunity right out of college. Uh, you can't drink and then go up there and, you know, it's just not going to fly. So what I had to do is force myself. And it was very painful. Uh, I think my career as a Marine officer was a bit stunted because I couldn't. It was very difficult to, you know, you're talking to these guys that are trained killers and they're in amazing. I mean, these are big guys, strong guys. And I was a skinny lieutenant. And here I am trying that honestly didn't know too as much as a lot of these guys. And I'm here supposed to give them orders, give them direction. And this was a very difficult time for me, but I, I had to grow and I did learn a lot. Um, and then it, I think that anything else I kind of dealt mm. with when it came to presenting yourself was very simple to me, uh, in the sense, even if I walked out on a stage or in front of a group, it was never as frightening as what I had gone through in the Marine Corps, having to present yeah. and having, uh, you know, majors look at me. Uh, one, I remember with a bit of uh, disdain, you know, he was frustrated because here I was, you know, he was the operations officer, had everything set, and I was not like up to the level he, I needed to be. And uh, that, you know, kind of... Do you think that background, um, I've never asked you this, but do you think that background helped build your resilience? Um, I, I would say it did make me, I mean, grit, resilience, perseverance, mm. these things. I, I've always had that. I, I feel um, I have a mother that was always very positive, wanted me. and But it was something that I failed many times uh, giving these presentations in the Marines. I remember one time it was so bad that uh, the operations officer just took over. He just like, he's like, Lieutenant Centeno, I've got this. Get out of here. I mean, it was really just dismissed me in front of the other officers, and I was pretty embarrassed by it. Um, and that forced me to take a hard look at 
I need to get better at this. So I went back and I studied. Um, I, I was used to, I think, growing up being good at being able to read something and know it and go do it. And that wasn't the case with languages and it wasn't the case with the Marines. So anyone that studied languages knows that it's not something you can just read a book on a language. Mm -hmm. You have to actually practice and engage. And I think I was one of those students. I did very well through school through, and I could have done very well in college, did well when I went back to grad school because I can study and I can pick up things. But when it came to learning languages and learning things, that really, you really have to study. You can't yeah. fake it. You have to uh, really apply yourself. And that's when I, I think I started applying myself to speaking and YouTube's been great for that now. Mm. You know, being able to, you get better and better. If you watch my early videos, I think they suck. Uh, but you go through that yeah. suck period. Yeah, and you get better again, and better. You know, everyone you know that I've spoke to today has said it's about starting, and it's never going to be perfect in the beginning. But then, yeah. with time, it slowly gets better. And touching on that, you were saying about feeling like a, a failure, and then you know, with um, a tailored suit as well, you know, that didn't work out no, as you expected no, it to. No, we went through a bankruptcy. I mean, yes. Yeah, it, did, it did, you, did you did that? Was that a hard time for you? Like, did you feel like? I know in the past, sometimes when I fouled, I fouled, I fouled, I fouled, you almost judge yourself. It's like, am it's, I ever going to It's relative. It? It's relative. I think, uh, I mean, at the same time that right after we went through the bankruptcy with the business, and that was embarrassing. Uh, it's, it's tough to go through something like that. But I also, I look back, I mean, what is that reason for bankruptcy being there? It's the ability to hit a reset. It's a painful process. Um, you know, for years I had very bad credit. Now my credit is great. Mm -hmm. And it taught me some very valuable lessons because no one in my life had ever taught me about finances and money and, you know, credit card debt and law. I mean, when I took out my, got my first truck, it was like 20% interest. And these are things that, you know, you gotta be really careful of. Mm -hmm. But failure is relative to the individual. And, you know, that was not even close to, you know, my, you know, I, I think we, we maybe talked, you know, my sister killed herself mm. and I'm the oldest brother and I'm dealing with a suicide in the family. My business isn't making any money and I had to go, I couldn't even grieve. And so you go through some dark times like that and I have a, I have a great wife, I have amazing children. And I think you hit on your presentation, gratitude. Mm. I think just being thankful for what I do have and being thankful for the time I did have with my sister and for her, you know, I was pretty good about letting her know I love her. Uh, she's always had like mental, you know, issues, I think. And, you know, one night just alcohol and probably some drugs uh, just took her, you know, took the swing farther than it, uh, you know, it should have gone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's one of those things. But but when you have a really hard failure like that um, and also in in, in Marines, you know, going through we were in Iraq. Uh, you know, during the invasion, we are the tip of the spear, um, you know, realizing I am very fortunate that I'm not some 19-year-old that just got, you know, basically wasted by, you know, the Marines because he happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, I remember this is this bus we came up to, whole top of it shaved off, and there's nothing but bottom torsos there. And so you see, I'm not saying, you know, and I don't actually have too many issues. I realize, you know, during that time, but you, relative... And if I look at what I have in life, like I've already lived a great life. Like the way I look at it is thankful for the day. Um, I've I tell my son, I love him every day. And I tell, you know, I have no problem. You know, I've told Aaron, me and Aaron, like it's kind of weird, but I told him I love him. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like I care about this guy. Yeah. And, um, and I try to, you know, let people know how much I care. Not that I expect anything back, but simply I want them to know. You know, this, mm -hmm. I think coach hit on it in the presentation. Yeah this year and I really agree with that. 
And once you start doing it a few times, it's like riding a bike. All of a sudden it becomes, you actually freak some people out a little bit, but then they kind of get, oh, it's like, he just simply cares about it. I hope you don't mind me asking, do you feel like you did that with your your sister? I, I did let her know, because I mean, she had attempted suicide before, so I knew that something could happen. And, mm. you know, I'm pretty realistic and like, I want everything to be rosy, but I understand uh, when we were, when I, again, when I was in the Marines, we were on a deployment. I remember Lieutenant Shea, um, you know, we saw him that night, we were all hanging out on the boat. We just left Singapore a few days ago. And so we just got back from R&R &R, and, um, you know, then they find him in his stateroom, hung himself, you know? And mm. so you see suicide, very common in the military. Uh, it's not something talked about, but 22 veterans a day, you know, kill themselves. And uh, so, you know, I've been very fortunate. I don't have any mental issues that, that I know of. You know, my friends will tell you a little bit different, but <laughs> I like to think I'm a pretty normal guy. But, but I mean, you know, you've been through a lot of adversity then. Do you feel, do you feel like that's... I th again, I think it's relative. Uh, yeah. If you read, I mean, I am very, very lucky. Yeah. Uh, I've been born in, I think, the greatest country when it comes to opportunity. Mm. You've commented on this. I mean, you're, you're from another, you know, very very well off country. But here in the United States, the belief is you can go anywhere and you can mm. do anything. We yeah. all tell our kids they can be president. Uh, and I believe that, not that I want to be president, but it is something that my mom always said, you know, I cried because I had no, you know, the Persian saying, I cried because I had no shoes till I met a man who had no feet. And I just I always like took that. that. Yeah, I always took it with granite. Like, hey, I've got food. I have not been starving. Um, you know, yeah, you know, as a kid, we ate top ramen and my, they would make this soup. It was like really cheap noodles. Uh, and to spot, you know, they would put in like little bits of vegetables with hamburger meat. And I always hated it when we made too much mm -hmm. because we would save it and it would like liquefy into this mush, but we would have to eat it the next day because that's all you got. Uh, you know, it's like, and some people say, oh, you know, that's a very unhealthy diet. And yeah, it kind of was, but you know, we never were yeah. really hungry. And I just look at, uh, yeah, there's just so many other people that don't have it nearly as good or haven't yeah. had the opportunity. And I touched on that, you know, perspective. And like you said, it's relevant, you know, relative to you. And I feel the same because someone come up to me at the end of the talk yesterday and said, you know, I lost my son to suicide. And, and as a dad now, when I hear about yeah. a dad losing their son to suicide, yeah. you know, I feel very, again, it's, it's relative, isn't it? And I feel yeah. not that I lucky in a way that it was it was my dad is it's kind of different but i couldn't imagine but you got, yeah, yeah. i couldn't imagine losing the child yeah yeah and when, you know my mom's lost two kids you know and and the way i i mean she lost uh, my sister colleen when she was three and she died of uh, meningitis basically you know this is a time my, my mom was a, a 17 you know no she was 19 at the time and you know had been raped and had a child at 19 um you know had, had a child at 16 had forced to marry a guy and then the baby dies at age three, you know, and by something wow. preventable nowadays. And, uh, you know, it's like, and so my mom, I know a lot of people in my family, like they get frustrated with, I, I cut her a lot of slack now. And I was frustrated with her for a while till I realized, you know, who am I to judge? You know, she's lost, you know, she lost my sister, you know, when my sister was what, 29, you know, 30. And uh, then she, you know, years before, before I was born, she lost my, my sister. Uh, Colleen. So it's, you know, again, it's, I, empathy is something I really 
try to have for other mm. people because everyone, you know, is co again, I go back to the presentations, this, it's all fresh on my mind, but you know, his everyone bears a cross. Mm. And I'm not, you know, really a religious guy, but I do believe that everyone, uh, no matter how rich they are, no matter how strong, how big, tough they are, um, they all bear something. There was one of the guys at the conference, Lackey, I don't know if you met him, big, big goofy guy. Uh, he's got a great smile, uh, wearing that big jacket. Okay. Uh, yeah. He had been, uh, he was at the Vegas shooting and had been shot. Yeah, and, I was chatting uh, to him. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I don't, I mean, that's something where you go from, you're just there with your friends and all of a sudden, you know, mm -hmm. 70 people killed. And it's, a, I mean, that's a friggin' war zone. I mean, most military, I mean, I don't know anyone in the military that we were in a unit that lost 70 people. I mean, that that is, and that's just someone that was at a concert trying to enjoy it. And you got all these people that, you know, people lost their moms, their husbands, their wives, their their lovers, their friends, and, you know, empathy, just like. And what was surprising about, what was his name again? Um, yeah, Lackey, last name. I, he, um, he actually was saying about that, and he said about the shooter, and how his friends didn't understand, but he was saying he was obviously really struggling with a mental illness, you know, yep. to, to, to do what, you know, they did. And he was almost applying empathy to him as well. And I think, as you say, it's applying empathy to people that may have let us down in the past, or, you know, we may feel like we're quick to judge them, but sometimes without understanding the full story, we can't make that judgment. And I think that, you know, for Lackey to do that is a, to me is a very s strong sign of somebody that is that can move on because mm. he's not going to, you know, Martin Luther King, you know, like hate is not going to you can't defeat hate with hate. You know, love is the only thing mm. that's going to that's going to overcome that. And for him to realize this person, this poor, sad, depressed, upset, mentally disturbed person who was once somebody's beautiful baby. Mm. why would he, what would drive somebody to do this? And the day we can understand that, maybe, you know, is a day that we can fix real problems. Uh, but, you know, and and for him to, you know, who knows where, where the good that can come out of him having that understanding now. And, uh, you know, I, I can't predict the future, but mm. I can see that, you know, I do know that Lackey is an amazing guy, very happy. He was happy-go-lucky yeah. before, he's happy-go-lucky now. And, uh, and I love seeing people that can deal with that adversity, deal with a setback like that, and uh, and still end up on top. Yeah. And with your, uh, you know, sister again, as a family unit, did you talk about it or not? To a degree. You know, it's it's something definitely before. Um, you know, as a family unit, one of the problems, I think, with the modern family is that we're all over the place. Mm. So my sister and brother are in California, but, you know, so they're probably the closest ones to each other. My other older, younger sister, she's up in uh, Washington, so she's a couple thousand miles away. I'm in Wisconsin. Uh, my brother is in the Army, and he's down in Tennessee. So initially, we all come together. But, you know, as time goes on, you, you see, let, I mean, you, we, we definitely do try to get together and I try to use that as memory as a, uh, you know, to go back and to spend time. Like I'm, we have family events this year, this summer, I will be there and my mom's getting married for the fifth time, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, wish <laughs> my brother's getting married for the third time, you know, it's like, I'm going out to that one too. You know, it's like, wish him well with love and love. Uh, but, um, you know, and this is the, you know, this year is the 10th year, you know, 10th anniversary of my sister killing herself. 
and my sister is little sister is going down to Austin. She does this walk and suicide awareness stuff, and uh, she, you know, we try to support her with that. Uh, so yeah, that was the same year as my dad then, two thousand and nine. Yeah, yeah, and I think it, it, you know, that resonates with me as well. We were a close family, and we still are. But you, you almost deal with it in your own way. You almost mm -hmm. fight your own battles, and yeah. You know, sometimes you don't. And that, that is tough because people grieve differently. And my sisters post a lot on social media about it and stuff. And I don't. I, that's not, I don't feel I need to grieve or like my, my way of, I guess I still kind of, I think about her, but I kind of, and this may be where I, I still imagine she could walk through the door at any mm -hmm. point. I don't, I never saw the body um, and I really didn't want to. Like, I want to remember what I remember and the good stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, the only thing that gets you sad is knowing that you know, my kids just don't know her. We'll never know her. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, the one thing I really like about my videos is if you watch any of my videos, I always try to have a good, strong message, knowing my kids will watch my videos at some point. I like to think that if something were to happen to me, my kids yeah. would go back and watch my videos and be able to, yeah, the style tips, you know, that's 90% of my content. But... 10% of it is a deeper message of, you know, be a good human being, treat people with respect, do unto others as you'd like to be treated. And I like to think, you know, hey, like I can watch these and get an idea of who my, who my dad was. That's a great point as well, because again, I don't think people see social media and content creators in that way. And, you know, your grandkids and your great grandkids could probably access these videos yeah. when you're gone and, and see who their great granddad was at that yeah. time. And I've never, yeah, that's it's home for me because I've never ever thought of it that way. Yeah, I, that's yeah. why I, I love YouTube and I love social media, the good of it, uh, besides the addiction and all the, you know, the negative stuff there, you've got this amazing way to capture. And you know, a lot of people, like for me, I, I've even thought about starting a YouTube business to teach people all these different ways you can use it. Mm. Because to me, like being YouTube success, like famous or whatever it is, like that was never my goal. My goal was simply to create more sales for my business. It was not like to get this big, create this whole like mm. marketing company that was not kind of an accident. And that's why, you know, I have no issue actually leaving YouTube uh, yeah. because this wasn't what I sought. Uh, but I think that the platform is so great. Like if I wanted to go through my company and be able to systemize things, teach people how to do things, do it on video once, they can watch it forever. Like the other day, my son wanted to learn how to iron a shirt. Well, guess what? I've got a video, son. Like <laughs> You're going to watch it. And, and, I'd lay, and what I love about this is if I did it by memory, it would be worse than the video yeah. because the video, I lay out all the points. And so... We've got this video that we recorded of my my wife's grandmother. She had got been through Nazi uh, Germany, had lived in, in a uh, in a work camp um, for two years, and she ended up walking back to Ukraine after the war. And she had all these amazing stories, hiding out in the woods for like two years before she was captured, then you know taken to a work camp. And we're like, we can't lose this, so we recorded a couple hours of video of just her talking about the story. Wow. And she ended up dying a couple years later, uh, but. We have those stories. We have the video there. And you think about that's where YouTube or Instagram or, you know, Facebook, like the video or like that's where it's so amazing is when you, if you lose somebody, I mean, you can preserve, you know, history or you can scale. Yeah. It's almost know. like the old photo books, isn't it? You know, yeah. I remember my mom, you know, they've got all the photo books you flick through and I see photos of dad and us growing up, whereas social media can be used as that old yeah, photo book. Exactly. Now. You scroll through Instagram and it can be used as seeing back 
you know, five, 10, 20 years ago and yeah. seeing how it was. Yeah. Um, I know you like to talk a lot, you know, about business and your business. I just like to talk a lot. <laughs> Another reason why you're a good YouTuber. Um, but I always, you know, if, if someone does want to become an influencer, um, a YouTuber, what kind of tips would you give them? Um, I mean, I would definitely start working, start putting in the effort. Um, I have my nephew came out and one of the things I wanted to, I, he's a budding artist and what I want to see him do more is put in the reps, do the work, uh, because then you're going to figure it out. You're going to, if you wake up early and you put in the reps, you do the work, you're going to get stronger. You're going to start to look at things differently. You're going to know the numbers. Like with Aaron, what impresses me about him being an influencer is not his numbers, but his notebooks. Like, I don't know if he's ever shown yeah, you the yeah. notebooks. He's got these where he would analyze other channels for years. He's got like, I don't know, like 50 like notes but where he wrote down every single morning, what are the numbers on these other channels? And he would compare it. And every single day he would journal mm. about these other channels and watching his channel for growth patterns. And this is well before Social Blade. And this is neur a bit neurotic, a bit like obsessive, a bit weird. And that's what you want to be yeah. is, and that's where I, I think I, when I see someone doing something like this, they're going to be successful because they're not, they're not expecting things to be handed to them. They're not afraid of hard work and they're going to find some pattern. They're going to find something because the way I became successful will not work for anyone else because that time has passed mm -hmm. and that method worked pretty much for me. And I can't tell you, like I see, I don't think creating a lot of content right now is going to work. I mean, we're oversaturated with content. Mm. So, you know, how are you going to do it? Are you going to be creative? That is one path. Are you going to be unique? That's another path. Um, but you got to find which one's going to work for you. And I can't tell an, an influencer that. But I do know if someone who wants to be an influencer and they put in the time and the effort. And I'm talking about waking up at 4 a.m. Uh, I'm talking about when everyone else wants to go drinking and party and you stay in and you do the extra editing talking about, you know, during the Super Bowl, you're not excited about the Super Bowl. You're excited about checking out the commercials so you can get an idea for marketing your next video or project. That's when like think mm. magic happens. You become, yeah, you, you just, you dive all in and you become passion, passionate about the process, not about the, you know, like for me, I don't even look at my videos when they go out anymore. I, don't, I, I do care about that because it affects the sponsors I work with and it affects my impact I can have. But I know I have done pretty much everything I can creating a almost a piece of artwork um, with the way that we lay out the video, the way we put things together. And, you know, I've put in the work. I, it's like game day when the video shows up. Yeah. I've already done all the practice. I've done everything. And whether I've already won, whether when it goes out or not. And, you know, people can judge their success based on view numbers. I just don't do that anymore. And do you know how many videos you put out before you maybe started making an income from it? Because I remember when we originally spoke, you did a video a day, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I was able to monetize it after. I don't remember what point, but I'd say, I mean, I, I really started to monetize YouTube after three to 400 videos, which I wouldn't recommend. I would, I would again, think, I think that's yeah. a great, it shows, again, you know, if you think influencers, what do they do, you know, do they, are they, is it a job? And I think just you explaining it just then and, you know, the amount of work that, you know, you've had to put in to, to get to where you are today, yeah. I think gets um, neglected. But I, by but I was people. looking at, I, I take that back, you know, the first video I put out, the whole reason was to support my clothier 
So in a sense, I was looking to make Monetize, money off that yeah. first video. And the most successful YouTubers I've seen, they started like we had Christian. Huh? Did you meet the watch guy? No. Uh, you know, so Christian, um, he, he started off, he had a watch company and he created a watch channel. And it was never like a doubt in his mind that he was going to use the channel to send traffic mm -hmm. to his watch company and sell watches. I mean, that's just why, you know. And so, but think about what are your goals? I mean, if your goal is to get noticed as a singing talent, like you don't want to necessarily make money, you want to get impact. You want to get mm -hmm. those views and traffic. Um, and what's her name? Rebecca Black. Everyone makes fun of her. Uh, she's saying this whole, you know, pretty bad song, Friday. But the point is like her mom and, you know, paid money to get her on billboards, like built, found a way that no one else was doing or mm -hmm. people were scared to do. And they got her, you know, this attention. And now I'm talking about her right now. And she went on, she got to do a music video with Kate Perry and mm -hmm. she did all these things. Yes, you know, you may disagree with the way Justin Bieber became successful, but you can't, he's laughing all the way now because yeah. he is now successful. So find a path that works for you. And sometimes that's going to be contrary to the normal path. And I love seeing actually people pioneer or go through and trailblaze a path that other people have been scared to take mm -hmm. or no one had thought of before. And with your level of, you know, I, I call it success because, you know, I see it as a success now. Sometimes with influencers, we might say, you know, I wish I was Antonio because he's got X amount of subscribers. He's, you know, made a successful business out of this. So you wish, I mean, and that person is like, well, do you wish like your sister to be dead? Yeah. Do you wish for, you know, you know, to have, you know, had some bad issues? I have anger issues, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, and I, I feel like, you know, I, I've, I used to have this old sink I didn't want to replace in my kitchen because I got so upset when my son one time uh, was walking because I had to film my videos at four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning and he got up early and was running around playing upstairs and I came up and I yelled at him. And I mean, he's a kid and it's 6.30 in the 7.30 in the morning and I'm upset because he made sound and didn't know I was filming downstairs. So do you want that guilt? You know, that's, mm. it's like, you don't want to be me. You, I mean, it, it's a tough enough battle being me. You know, it's like, you want to be the best you. Mm. And I don't, and that's, and I want to be the best me. And I, I think that's what and you that's need so to important for. Because again, it's like, you know, this is the real, you being vulnerable and people don't really see that you know sometimes they just see the the guy that they see on yeah, the videos and yeah you know the, the real men real style they expect and and i'm slowly shifting to be a little bit more personal but it is something that i know why people subscribe they subscribe mm -hmm. for the style information and i try to keep it focused mostly on that uh, but eventually i'll get to it yeah and then lastly, um, if someone is maybe struggling with, with, with mental health um, and adversity, you've been through a lot, as you've said, what, what would you advise them to do? Get help. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not an expert or a doctor or anything. I, I mean, I don't even pretend to know. But, um, you know, reach out. I mean, there's tons. Of, I mean, simply, you know, talk to people, you know, mm -hmm. your, your friends, your family. Let them know. People really care about you. Uh, you may not think that, but they, they do. Um, and yeah, I mean, even, if, you know, there are strangers that care about you. If, you know, that that's why those, those hotlines are there, that in front, you know, re just reach out. There's, you know, you don't want to do anything stupid. You don't, and, um, and, and yeah, they'll be able to guide you in a, down a better path than, than I can. 
Thank you. And yeah. I, I want to say as well, just, you know, we connected and then we I spent some time in, in Kiev and out here and you've always been very open and compassionate and trusting in, in what I'm doing. So I, I do appreciate yeah. everything. Well, I've got friends that are snipers and they'll track you down. <laughs> yeah. so. You've got to make him a friend. Don't make him an enemy. That's right. But um, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed that. Thank you for being yeah. so, so open and honest yeah. as well. And um, I'll link to everything in relation to Antonio. You're quite easy to find though, I guess. Probably quite easy to find. But hopefully you enjoyed that. And hopefully as well, the honesty helped. Yeah. See you guys. See ya. Brilliant. Thank yeah. you. That was excellent. I never, I never knew.